group of young heroes called the Animorphs. Hello and welcome to Middle Morph Millennials, the podcast that I started to force my friends to read Animorphs and yell at them about how raccoons don't actually wash their food. My name is Morgan. And my name is Kate. <laughs> and my name is Jason, and somebody explained to me that cute little video of the raccoon with the dry ice. Oh, well, we'll totally get to that. Uh, there's box all around, like, raccoons don't actually wash their food. They're doing something else, really. I have not seen that one, Jason, but I have seen one where the raccoon tries to eat cotton candy and puts it in water and it just dissolves. And then the raccoon's Aww. like, wait, what? <laughs> oh, sounds so cute and sad. Aww, that one's um, been around for but- a hot minute. Fact about fact about cotton candy. Apparently, the different colors are not different flavors. It's all just sugar, fun sugar, <laughs> and dye. You were lied to as a child. Yeah, and I was. Is there not a flavor of cotton candy? It's called cotton I haven't candy. Eaten cotton candy sweet. in a long time. <laughs> I'm pretty sure when I was a kid, we bought like a shitty cotton candy machine, a la like a Easy Bake Oven. <laughs> and I think this is bringing back memories. Oh, that's interesting. Like. You actually made different flavors, you think? Maybe. Or I, I could have sworn you put in like a syrup, and so it might have had its own thing, but I don't know. Maybe I will have to ask my parents. Somebody fact check me. I can't remember where I heard that fact, but I it feels solid to me. <laughs> well, we are going to definitely <laughs> talk about raccoons and such here because we're going to finish up book three. 13 today a Tobias book but because we've already kind of covered red tail hawk facts before and we don't necessarily have all the facts at our disposal yet for hork bajir we're going to go into raccoons which is really the best option out of this book it's it's an awesome animal to get to know more opposable thumb they freaks. are mentioned mm-hmm. several times yeah. <laughs> are they mentioned as much as the thermals <laughs> nothing's mentioned as much as the thermals <laughs> they're mentioned more than thermals in this book oh i would say in this particular book and this is where the book is getting really exciting it's been kind of like an action movie this whole entire book and now we're like continuing on with the action scenes here with uh tobias and helping out with these yes. escaped hork bajir from the yerks just a quick recap from last week we just need some yeah. Matrix-style bullet dodges. <laughs> and somebody is messing with Tobias and putting somebody. him places and where he doesn't want to go and giving him information that he doesn't know where he came from. And the hork are named Ket and Jara, so... That is a good starting point That's for fun. what you need to know. And hopefully you listened <laughs> to last week's episode uh, for the beginning of book 13. Well, we're in the middle of it all. Not, uh, Jason, you want to take it out? I would love to okay so basically where we left last time is that tobias again through none of his own senses is very sure that taxons are coming and they're tracker taxons which are like bloodhounds but like do not give up do not lose scent they are basically you know you got it want to get rid of them kill them die fly away like something something they're relentless okay so basically what's going to happen is uh, Axe is going to go get the others because it's nighttime and Tobias is going to uh, take the hork and start running away from the taxons and hopefully trying to find that mountain glade secluded paradise thing. Eden, we'll get into that. Um, okay, so Tobias is basically like, Jara, we gotta go right now. <laughs> and the, uh, Jara's like, What's, what has happened? And uh, Tobias is like, taxons are tracking you. So let's get up and go. And basically, the hork don't to be, seem to be fans of taxons either, because Jara went lizard pale with that. So <laughs> Jara and Ket, they come out of the cave, it's dark, and they're like, booking it. I also like Ket, she at this point comes out of the cave and she's like, dark. That's all she says, dark. <laughs> it's like, yes, like, it's dark. Yes. <laughs> I don't like it either, let's go. <laughs> I feel like it's like one of those animals that also might not have like a, or aliens that might have like a sense of humor. <laughs> She's very like, let me state the facts here. <laughs> like, yeah. Abstract concepts are not uh, their forte. Yeah. What's that one character from Big Mouth that carries around the roller backpack? <laughs> That's like friends with Matthew. Um, either way, somebody will know what I'm talking about. Okay. So. Yeah, sorry. You got blank don't. faces over here. We don't watch that show. <laughs> Big mouth, hilarious, no. gross. Um, okay, so Tobias is a really cute thing again, and is riding on Jara's horns. I just think it's so cute when I picture it in my mind. Um, but they're moving really slow because they're trying not to leave tracks. 
they, Tobias doesn't really know where they're going. He's very upfront about that with the Hork-Bajir, but they're just trying to get away from um, the, the taxons. And we get a little background about how they became free so that, you know, they take this time to sort of talk about that. And because Tobias is like, I don't know where we're going. Just this, you know, basically this little voice in my head is, you know, going to tell me. And uh, Jara's like, voice, uh, my head voice told me to run. And Tobias is like, what? <laughs> like for for me for a minute what I read this like you mean your I know, conscience just like, like do y'all not like know what a conscience is <laughs> <laughs> or like you know your inner voice um, but no apparently it's it's much cooler than that what had happened is they were at the, so Kat and Jar were at the York pool York drained out York's in pool um, head voice says run go that way and so with that you're, you know twice like you're just saying this idea popped into your head at the York pool and Jar is like. Head say, run, Jara. <laughs> I mean, take it all pack, run and be free, says head voice. And Jara and um, Jar asks how. And basically, head voice is like, I will send a guide. And this is where Tobias starts, I think, really piecing this together is that, yeah, head voice said, says run. And Tobias is like, no, the last part. <laughs> head voice say, I will send a guide. Um, and Tobias is like, oh shit, that's me, <laughs> isn't it? But at this point, Tobias is just sort of really annoyed about this whole head voice, like spatial movement, like not going where he's supposed to be going all of a sudden in the sky when he's supposed to be on the ground. And he's getting really annoyed by this. And um, and so with that, he's just like, okay, that's it. You two, stop. And they they obey him. They do stop. And they're like, the taxons are coming. He's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> Don't need to tell me. Um, and he's like, <laughs> we're not going anywhere until I get answers. And this little parade stops here. And basically, before he could really finish his sentence, he's not in the forest anymore. He wasn't really anywhere. Um, he's basically floating, hanging in the air. And he's basically like boy-hawk mixture cloud overlay transparent. Like, in my mind, I imagined it as like the two forms overlaid transparently floating in space human and hawk sort of a thing where you're Mm -hmm. you're both one and the same and different and basically maybe a matter of perspective or like mental perspective um so basically voice comes and says hello tobias we meet again this voice was huge but not harsh but basically resonated throughout your entire body made his fingers tingle and this is where again tobias is like my fingers and so and this is you know where he's getting this image they spend a lot of time on this and basically Tobias is like there's only one thing that's really ever similar to this or that could do this that's had this sort of ability and Tobias is like Elemist and Tobias notes he says it with his mouth his voice not his birdie mind or his mind speak um and then he sees this other you know there's turquoise fog it becomes a bird of prey it comes towards him and it stops and talks to him and says yes Tobias Elemist or at least an elemist not sure if they're all the same or one or ivy um but basically um Tobias like so you're the puppet master i should have known and i'm like yes you should have known <laughs> um the bird smiled or at least what looks like it could have and i thought it was funny because elemis is like i'm a bird because i chose a shape you would identify with and i was like bitch <laughs> like okay choose the bird and i thought this was funny because tobias is like baloney and i was like okay yeah that's the word to talk to a day not like you have to be polite but just like baloney okay that's great he's like you know i'm i'm a human like stop with that and elvis is like are you you don't look like one and i was like damn this element is just like fucking with his mind just like i thought it was funny but i was also like fuck off um and the element's like, what have I made you do, Tobias? Because Tobias is like, you're making me do all these things. And I'm like, girl, it's like, the, I'm not touching you, kid. Like, shut up. <laughs> shut up, Elemist. I swear to, swear to bird Jesus here. Um, so but Tobias is basically airing his grievances. He's sort of just like really annoyed about, you know, the Elemist just messing with him and making him be and do things in places that he wasn't intending to do or wanting to do. And so Dallas was like, well, don't the Hork-Bajir deserve a chance just like I gave you a chance? And I was like, okay, I kind of got him there, you know. And Ellis was like, we do not interfere. We use, you know, we don't use our power for one species against another. And Tobias is like, bullshit. You know, this is a very, you know, you're just sort of wordsmithing your way out of, you know, sort of something. Tobias is like, you want my help, Mr. Elemist? 
okay, you can have my help, but I'm going to make you pay for it. You know, there's a price for all this. You can apparently do anything, make galaxies disappear or whatever. So with that, like, you know what I want. And, you know, if I lead these Horpoisier to a safe place, you give me what I want. The Elemis is like, and what do you want, Tobias? And he's like, you know what I want. You know. <laughs> and the Elemis is like, okay. And if you get, will you, if you get it, will you still know? And I'm like, okay, Mr. Word. Rid- <laughs> riddle person. some mind games, yeah. <laughs> right? But basically, basically then Tobias is back in the forest. So that ends his interaction, his, you know, really hardcore interaction with the Elemis at that point of being like, okay, it's sort of like a un- unfinished agreement, but, you know, you know, led to believe that, you know, Tobias helps the Hork-Bajir, the Elemist will make him a human again. At least that's sort of the understanding where they weren't necessarily able to finish their conversation, uh, you know, on like a really, you know, explicit note, but hey, it's the Elemist. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so it is basically, there's a little bit of a time skip, you know, Tobias, like it's been a long night, very long night, the Hork-Bajir are worn out. Um, basically, it's dawn. Dawn is about to break. Um, and so they were trying, you know, not to like tracks. They were leaving. They weren't accosted by any of their forest predators like raccoons or wolves or foxes. Um, he even noted that the wolves were smart enough to not go near the seven foot bladed lizard, <laughs> just sort of <laughs> let it pass. Um, deer ran away. Of course, owl didn't care. Um, they're still walking and then they're about to step on something and Tobias is like, stop, nobody move. And they all, the, the Hork-Bajir stopped and um, they're like, what? What is it? Taxons? And Tobias is like, no, worse, a skunk. <laughs> um, he's like, what's so bad about that? He's like, it's gonna, you're gonna, it's like, if you fuck with it, you're gonna, you're gonna wish you were dead. Um, so they're basically all tired and hungry and Tobias is like, okay, we should stop. We should eat. Tobias is hungry. He's a small hawk. He's got to eat, you know, more often than, you know, you would, you know, a lot of other animals do because of their, you know, surface body area ratio volume thing, metabolism. Um, so basically the Hork-Bajir start eating and this is where we get to learn some more about them. Basically they use their giant blades to basically hack at trees and basically eat bark and you know um just tr- uh like tree like pulp and whatnot which is to tobias's great surprise because obviously you know they thought they were predators you know obviously with their sharp uh, blades but they use their blades to um uh to to cut trees and plants and so we learned some words for um what they eat, I guess, from their home planet. So Jara says they eat can't from the canver, from the luhak, and from the tall fit fit, which I like that <laughs> word, fit fit. And basically, uh, Tobias is like, are those trees? And Ket is like, better. And Jara's like, yeah, better, which is funny because. I'm just surprised. I'm just surprised they could still digest earth trees. It was like, yeah, this kind of goes back to how Andalites can just like have earth grass and be okay with it. Yeah, I mean, God, God, you know, great for those aliens. That's Adapt really good. Uh, con- <laughs> con- convenient, that's for sure. But it's funny because then Ked is like, "But Earth Tree's still good," mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, which is funny. Like, yeah. not to insult your Earth Trees, <laughs> you know, still good, <laughs> um, but not like. Yeah, it. and Ked's like Earth Tree, good. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> um, okay, and so basically, we learn a little bit more so about what these different blades are for. So Ket, being a great uh, educator, is sitting on a rotting log. So she basically pointed her elbow blade um, and said straight cut. So the elbow blade is for the straight cut. Um, Wrist blade is for taking off, is what she says. Knee blade is for down by ground, for the bottom of trees. Um, So each of their blades just has a special use of what sort of tree or plant that they're going to cut or, or, you know, where Kabase would be located. So that's why they've got blades for, you know, they're, they're basically, they're, they're herbivores. They seem to be possibly strict herbivores and their blades are for collecting food from hard trees or bark. So, um, you know, very not, you know, very counter to what the Yurks have been using them. So basically the Horpajir, as we know, were peaceful people. They were, seemed to be herbivorous. They just happen to have these modifications that can also hurt other you know living creatures so their yurks are like you guys are great war machines we're gonna enslave you and so that's sort of i guess the reason why the well we knew why the hork were taken it's just more sad because you know they were never really you know 
made for that. It's just, you know, a coincidence. Yeah, it's just a coincidence. Yeah, they're being forced. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, we'll get to that. (laughs) Well, and and. And then now, basically, Tobias is like, with all these fights and how dangerous they were and how much they've hurt us, we've almost died by them. You know, Tobias sort of doesn't like, it's again, it's like learning about a human species inside the lyrics. You don't resent them anymore. You're sort of just sad. You know, it's another species that the kids, well, right now it's Tobias, but you know, that they're just, you know, they learn about them and their struggles and now they just pity them, you know, and so now they're just feeling sorry for them. So that's it. So basically, Tobias then Tobias 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 leaves to go find his own dinner, and he's leaving because you know he's like I don't want them to see me eat like a mouse because they're enjoying their treat. <laughs> um, <you> know, <laughs> he feels embarrassed because they're herbivores, and he's going to eat a mouse like a be a predator. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was a little funny. Um, okay, so he flies through the trees, golden leaves, great, you know, sun, not sunset, sunrise. <laughs> sun, uh, that's what it's called. Sunrise moment. Air is flat, no thermals, no updrafts. There we go again. <laughs> Drink. Um, but he spots an opening, um, not exactly an even meadow, small clearing, tall grass. He's basically going to be looking for some tasty morsels, rats, or voles. So he um, goes near the ground and basically... Um, it's noted that, like, he didn't see some danger coming. Maybe it's because he was totally focused on eating um, something, like a rat, um, that was plump and water- waddling towards his own breakfast. But as he dives down, he gets struck. And basically, what he gets struck by is a bobcat. And it's funny, because I forgot those existed in okay, the wild. Okay, then. Uh-uh. <laughs> really? So a bobcat. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I was just like, oh, yeah, that's right. Those are actual kind of big and might need a hawk. Um, and does a cat thing where it smacked the bird <laughs> as it was in the sky. Um, smacked him down good. Um, and so now it's Tobias versus the bobcat. Great. And Tobias basically has to be careful because it's like, if he tries to run away, he's totally going to get, like, eaten by this bobcat. Like, it's not, you know, he's in a position where, it, like, the, the speed at which he could fly off the ground is not going to match the bobcat. So if he tries to retreat, the bobcat's going to get an opportunity attack on him. Yeah, but Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> <laughs> roll. Basically, Tobias he has to use his human brain. He grabs with one of his talon feet like a stick. And so he's basically going to try to use this, you know, as like a thing. So um, basically the bobcat lunges and in a split second, um, Tobias uses a stick pokes it in the eye and then flies away. So poor bobcat, but just, <laughs> but just if that wasn't enough. Tobias escapes the bobcat suddenly by poking it in the eye with a stick. The taxons come up on this and basically eat the bobcat. Poor bobcat. bobcat. <laughs> so, F in chat for bobcat. That was like that meme where there's someone pointing a gun at the yes. back. Like there's a row of people. <laughs> yes. So it's like Tobias is pointing the gun at the mouse. The bobcat's pointing the gun at Tobias. And then the, the sniper taxon <laughs> that's very somebody put that on the reddit get major internet points <laughs> Be- yes because that is great um it's very very that um okay um so yeah escaped that um and now um the taxons are crawling across the clearing and through the trees a dozen of them a dozen taxons out in broad daylight who tobias notes if some unlucky hiker could see them or comes across them is definitely gonna take pause (laughs) (laughs) they are dying they are basically killing everything they're basically again just the yurks are desperate and they don't give a fuck they are going to kill everything and sweep through this forest to get these work pusher back um so that's where that ends and so we then move on tobias is pretty shaken up with this encounter he still hasn't eaten <laughs> that's the important underlying thing mm-hmm. is he's and he's hungry yeah he hasn't eaten since yeah. the previous day yeah which is not great for a small bird no. like him um so um, he note one of the first things he noticed is a peregrine falcon riding higher above him, and he's like, peregrines won't usually mess with hawks, but he wasn't exactly feeling cocky right now at that moment because of you know what happened and all that. He doesn't really need any more trouble, so he just wanted to get back to his two horkbajir friends. And then thought speak Tobias um, is that you know you're by any chance of the peregrine is Jake. So Jake and Tobias have been reunited. Um, he tells Jake, the woods are full of taxons and horde and human controllers and anything else Eric can throw at us. And Jake's like, yeah, 
we noticed. They almost marched right at a couple of guys fishing out in the streams, and they had to scare them away to avoid them from getting eaten. So, lovely. And then there's um, a bald eagle, which is Rachel, and then an osprey, which you see was either Cassie or Marco. So, Axe is on the ground. Marco's around here somewhere. Oh, they're above you. And then um, Marco, like, comes, swoops down on, like, Tobias and like gotcha and I sort of like really appreciated Tobias for this he's like this is so not the time to be messing with me and I was like Marco you asshole yep. like, <laughs> like come not on not a prank not the time fuck off <laughs> that would be me I'd be like oh my god I fucking hate you <laughs> like, uh, it would just I would just I'd just be very much Tobias at this point <laughs> um, okay so but Jake is like chill and like first. I was like, chill, Tobias. I was like, shut up, Jake. But then he's like, we're here to help you. We're your friends. I was like, aww. <laughs> okay. Um, then we hear Cassie. <laughs> she comes here. Uh, she joins them, which is great. Um, so now we're all together. Um, okay. So um, basically, they're like, the group is like, we're, we're thinking maybe there is some other power, some force, some person interfering with you, kind of manipulating you. Um, and that's what Cassie says. And basically, then Tobias is like, "Yeah, it's the yeah, elements." No and then they're like, "Yeah, that's what that's what that's what they're like." Yeah, that's what Axe thought. And I was like, "Oh, great! How long had Axe been thinking?" <laughs> like seriously, way back, or like just at the, when he was going to get the others? Like, what's going on here? Um, but yeah, so basically, it's all announced. The LMS is doing the LMS shenanigans here. Um, and then Rachel personally thought speaks to Tobias and is like, are you okay? And uh, Tobias is like, yes, sort of. Um, the Elemis says he'll he'll make him human again, which is interesting. So he actually revealed that to Rachel. Okay, that's then very interesting. Yeah. I feel like sometimes these characters sort of keep things like that closer to their chest. But I mean, him and Rachel have a thing. So Yeah, he wants know, Rachel to know he'll be know. human again. <laughs> yeah. He's like, we can that, finally... That you know, uh, red-tailed hawk had a crush on there in book three. She gone now, babe. Uh, I want to be uh, back with you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, but, you know, uh, Tobias is a little worried because the LMS plays games. At least that's what Axe says. So he's, you're not fully convinced. And he's like, you know, we didn't really, like, explicitly say that we he would. But, you know, Tobias is going to go with it. His best shot. They basically have to make some life-changing decisions here, or possibly life and death decisions, because they're reached. They're all re- because of how far away they are. They're all reaching their two-hour limit, and they. Need- but they can't do it in front of the Horkbajir because if the Horkbajir ever captured by the Yurks again, they're gonna have those memories and they're gonna know who they are—not just their humans, but what they look like. Humans. So, um, they basically, as a group, have to talk about this. What are they gonna do? Marco makes some jokes. People ignore him. What else is new? Um, so they're basically, you know, talk to Jor- uh, Tobias like talks to Jara, I keep saying Jara, Jara, and is like, so if the Yurks ever capture you, and before he can even finish though, Jara is like, takes a blade arm, slashes the air, and then points at his own head, um, for, you know, from the scar that he made, you know, previously, and he's like, no more Yurk here. Free or no, Jara Hami. No, Ket Halpak. Only free. Free or dead, <laughs> Ket says. And then Rachel's like, I see why you like them so much. And I'm like, oh, Rachel. <laughs> and then basically, um, you know, the hork do their little, like, sort of, you know, victory or, like, laugh thingy. It's like a it's like a weird sound, sound like, Kira! And I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, who knows if it's a laugh thing. Um, but basically, because they all start to demorph in front of them. You know, basically they decide instead of being captured alive, they're going to be dead, which means they're going to be useless to the Yurk so they can expose their true identities to these, uh, to these Hork-Bashir. Um, and um, so with that, Axe obviously has hesitancy about this. You Like, you know, they can never be taken alive now. And, you know, they're like, they won't be. Obviously, free or dead, they yell again. And then Rachel's like, I really like these guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, okay. Awesome. <laughs> so very Rachel. Um, okay. And then basically, they agree they have to start heading towards that uh, mystery mountain spot that the Elemis showed Tobias. And that's basically it. They're, Jake is like, well, let's get going, you guys. We gotta get going. All on the same team. Woo. Indeed. Yeah, so they all head out and it's a weird caravan of, you know, they're all human I mean, I think they should have been wolves, but whatever. Um, Axe is Andalite form. He's scouting far ahead, and Tobias is flying cover. The 
journey is going okay, but Tobias is worried because if they're still being tracked by those taxons, they can't lead them to the secret hork like valley that they're going to go to because like they'll just get captured again. So Tobias drifts back to the gang to hear them bickering, except Cassie, who's like loving this hike (laughs) and being out in nature. And she's like, come on, it's the fresh air in your lungs and you're stretching your legs. And um, once again, Tobias, Tobias has Peter Parker luck right now because he's hungry. He sees a mouse. He goes off to catch it. And then he hears the sound of helicopters. So he races back to all the Animorphs and yells at them to morph, um, which, again, they should have been in morph already, but whatever. And suddenly a, the chopper passes over him and knocks him into a tree, which breaks like one of his Like the, the pressure from the wind uh, below the blades, like, just knocked him back into the tree, right? Yeah, he didn't get hit sounds... and survive Ouch. a helicopter hitting him, only to be broken by a tree. <laughs> okay, so yeah, his wing is broken. He is on the ground and he's freaking out because he can't fly. And he's like, shit, my friends need me. I can't just lie here. And then I saw the end coming for me. Not a bobcat, not a taxon or a hork or a yerk of any kind. Just a humble, ordinary, everyday raccoon. <laughs> raccoon, raccoon facts. facts. <laughs> this raccoon. seems like a good time as any to insert some raccoon facts. Because we're going to have a whole raccoon scene going on uh, here in a second. Cool. So, about raccoons. Raccoons are the largest of the prosonoid uh, family. And they have a body length of 16 to 20 inches, essentially. And uh, their weight can fluctuate from 11 to 57 pounds. They can get big. <laughs> they can get bigger than... Some dogs. Uh, raccoons' uh, grayish coat mostly um, consists of dense underfur, which insulates them against cold weather. And three of raccoons' most distinctive features, which I'm sure most people are aware of, are their extremely dexterous front paws, their facial masks, and their ring tails. The raccoon is noted for its intelligence, so as studies show that it is able to remember um, solutions to tasks for at least three years. It is unusual. It is usually nocturnal, and uh, raccoons are also omnivorous, so they eat about like forty percent invertebrates. So think bugs, and thirty-three percent plants, and twenty-seven percent vertebrates. The original habitats of raccoons were deciduous and mixed forests, but due to their adaptability, they've really spread out, and they range to mountainous areas, coastal marshes, and urban areas. And <laughs> that definitely is to some homeowners, you know. Uh, vexation and definitely people consider them to be pests uh, and other people just say hey cool raccoon Uh, although let's just say they are very cute they are wild animals and they should be respected as such (laughs) don't keep pet raccoons we know people do it it's not a good practice as a result when I was a kid when I was a kid we went camping and fed this one raccoon like a bajillion pretzels which was probably really bad for it that's a Especially lot of salt. Of the salt. Don't do that. <laughs> uh, as a result of escapes and deliberate introductions in the mid 20th century, raccoons are now actually also uh, a invasive species and distributed much across mainland of Europe and Japan. In Europe, the <laughs> raccoon is included uh, since 2016 as an invasive alien species of the Union. Uh, on that their list. This implies that the species cannot be imported, bred, transported, commercialized, or intentionally released into the environment and the whole European Union. Yeah, it's a problem. They're a big population in Germany. So raccoons were pre- previously thought to be solitary, but there's now evidence that they engage in sex-specific social behavior. So that means like related females often share common areas where unrelated males can live together in groups and, you know, go bro in and chill of up to four raccoons. <laughs> and in order to maintain their positions against foreign males during the mating season and other potential invaders, they grew up, group up like that. The raccoon's home range uh, size like varies anywhere from like 7.4 acres for females in cities to like 12,000 acres for males in the prairie lands. After gestation, a period of about 65 days, a female can give birth to two to five uh, young and baby raccoons are known as kits and they're born in the spring. 
and the kits are subsequently raised by their mother until they disperse and go on their merry way in the late fall. Although captive raccoons have been known to live over 20 years, their life expectancy in the wild is only like almost two years, so like 1.8 years to like a little over three years uh, living in the wild. In many areas, hunting and um, being run over by vehicles are the two of the most common causes of deaths for raccoons. The word raccoon was adopted into English mm-hmm. from the native Powhatan term. I'm sorry if I disrespected or butchered uh, that indigenous tribe name, but the term uh, means animal that scratches with its hands, which is very apt because that is exactly what raccoons do. So <laughs> as of 2005, there's 22 subspecies recognized of raccoons, and four of these subspecies live only like on small Central American and Caribbean islands, and they're often regarded as like distinct species after their discovery. So those ones are kind of like really small little Caribbean uh, raccoons. And uh, they typically weigh like between four and six pounds, and uh, one of which lives off the southern coast of Florida, like in the Florida Keys in the adjacent islands. And then uh, there's the other 15 subspecies of raccoons that differ only slightly from each other in coat color and size and other physical characteristics. The two most widespread subspecies are the eastern raccoon and the upper Mississippi Valley raccoon. Both share a comparatively dark coat with long hair, uh, but the upper Mississippi Valley raccoon is larger than the eastern raccoon. And boy, if, I mean, in California, we definitely see raccoons every now and again, and those, they, they get big. Uh, the body weight of an adult yeah. raccoon can vary considerably due to habitat, um, but uh, making the raccoon one of the most variable-sized mammals. Uh, but at the beginning of winter, a raccoon can weigh uh, almost as twice as much as in spring because of its fat storage. And so the largest recorded wild raccoon weighed up to 62.6 pounds and measured 55 inches in length Damn. is a big one. <laughs> 56? 62.6. 62. Oh my god. That's, that's size like of a, a that's like a weight of a gold uh, uh, like a golden retriever, like a little smaller golden retriever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Dude. Yep. Yeah, no, no. they they get big. <laughs> uh, as raccoons have short legs compared to their compact torso, they're usually not able to either run very quickly or jump at great distances. Their top speed over a short distance is like 10 to 15 miles per hour. And raccoons can swim. And they have an average speed about like three miles per hour, and but they can stay in water for several hours and be totally fine. Uh, for they can climb down a tree head first, which is kind of an unusual ability for a mammal of its size. A raccoon actually rotates its hind feet so they're pointed backwards as they go down down a trunk. And they have a dual cooling system that helps regulate their temperature, so they're actually able to both sweat and pant for heat dissipation, which is very different than, like, say, your dog uh, or other animals that cannot sweat. The most important sense for the raccoon is its sense of touch. So this kind of goes back to what we were talking about right at the beginning of this episode. So... Raccoons don't wash their food. The hypersensitive front paws of theirs are protected by a thin, like, kind of tough layer uh, that uh, of skin that becomes pliable when wet. And the five digits of their paws have no webbing between them, which is actually kind of unusual for a carniv- uh, carnivorian. So almost two-thirds of the area of their paws uh, is responsible for sensory perception. And uh, it's it's really strong, their uh, tactile sense, uh, senses, especially with their front paws. And so they are able to identify objects before touching them with this sensitivity located uh, on their paws. And so when they actually are putting objects into the water, <laughs> they're actually like softening their paws and using their paws to like really identify the object as opposed to washing them. They're really kind of like identifying something and really feeling it out uh, as opposed to relying on your other senses like scent or sight. The uh, Oh, and they also Which do not mean. have opposable <laughs> thumbs. Uh, even though their hands are very dexterous, uh, they uh, their paws, sorry, it's not hands, they're paws. Even though their paws are very dexterous, they don't have opposable thumbs. The shape and size of a raccoon's home range varies depending on their age and their sex and their habitat, and adults claim the area's uh, um, like area of square footage more than twice as large as the juveniles. And interestingly enough, raccoons can have like shared latrines. 
And so they actually have like uh, hangout huh. spaces and they actually <laughs> can make, sh- uh, they make a shared latrine. So sometimes you might come across in your yard and not understand why you have a really stinky yard. And you might find out that you have a raccoon latrine there. <laughs> and they're, they're usually <laughs> nearby because they hang out and, and they in certain areas and have their little hangout spots and uh, where they eat and sleep and obviously defecate together. <laughs> not sure if I'm like impressed or like... Worry <laughs> when an animal's that smart <laughs> with thumbs. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, funny enough, one of the um, leading um, scientists that like studied uh, raccoons before said concerning the general behavior of, of raccoons, typically you'll find that ten to fifteen percent uh, that of what they do, uh, another ten to fifteen percent will do the opposite of what is expected. <laughs> and so I am looking at um, biggest raccoons. <laughs> And I went to the images tab, and I've just been reminded of that video of that old man feeding a bunch of raccoons oh, hot dogs. Oh, my God. <laughs> which, again, probably bad, but it's freaking adorable. They're just patiently waiting for their, their, hot, for their dog. Uh, hot dog Aww. from this old man. That's giant. It's pretty cute. Giant raccoons. Oh, my God. These things yeah, are... Yeah, have you seen... Oh, God. Yeah. Raccoons. Oh, there's the image, yeah, video of man feeds dozens of raccoons as per wife's dying wish, and it's like a tub of... Uh, Hot yeah, <laughs> they're all over him. Oh my god! <sighs> so, last few facts: due to raccoons' adaptability, they have been able to obviously infiltrate and survive very well in urban areas as their habitat. And the first sightings were recorded in a suburb of Cincinnati in 1920s. And then since then, raccoons have been present in many, many metropolitan areas. <laughs> Like Washington, D.C., Chicago, Toronto, creating, you know, raccoon posses that patrol the streets. Uh, Raccoons, without a fear of humans, are concerned to those who attribute this trait to rabies, but really scientists point out that this behavior is much more likely to be a behavioral adjustment to living uh, in habitats with regular contact to humans for many generations. So like if you see a raccoon out during a day or, you know, not necessarily being supremely skittish around humans, it doesn't necessarily mean it has rabies, but still it's a wild animal. Give it its space, let it do its thing, and, you know, go the other way or go on your merry way. (laughs) Don't go and mess with it. (laughs) But raccoons are awesome creatures, very smart and uh, very fun to watch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, take a picture. They're cute. Yeah. We know. Yeah, just as as we go through these series, it uh, emphasizes, highlights, and underlines the statement of respect wildlife, but at a distance. (laughs) Yes, indeed. That right. is our is raccoon fact. Yeah, facts? so let's go for it and let's woo, finish up this woo. book. There's a lot to finish up to see if this Horkbajir couple uh, live or die. Yes. Yeah. Um. Spoiler, it'll be really close <laughs> and we're going to be like, how are they going to get out of this one? Yeah. Um, so Tobias's wing is broken. He can't fly. And a raccoon just happens to be wandering by just as he's freaking out and trying to get back to his friends and the raccoon grabs him by their broken wing and starts to drag him on his back so he can't like get at the raccoon to get it to let him go then he hears a noise that's even more horrifying than the noise of the helicopter the sound of rushing water and Tobias explains what Kate just did a moment ago is that they aren't washing their food because they're sanitary. It's because the rushing water helps them feel with their paws as they dig through their prey. And sometimes their prey is still alive. So he's like, shit, shit. Like, freaking out, screaming because he's about to get eaten alive by a raccoon. And then he hears the Elemis say, you asked me for payment in the... You asked me for payment in exchange for using you. Would you like your reward now? And he's like, fucking yes. (laughs) (laughs) And then the Elemis is just like, it is done. And Tobias is like, what's done? Nothing is done, you lunatic. I'm still a bird. And the Elemis replies, of course. The Andalite gave you power. Use it. And then Tobias realizes the Elemis didn't give him his human form back, but he just gave him the morphing power back. And he's freaking out. That raccoon is is still dragging him towards the water. <laughs> and he doesn't really have time to complain about the Elemis's and his tricks because the raccoon is still trying to eat him. So he acquires the raccoon... And he feels it kind of slow down and get peaceful. So he knows that that's working and morphs the raccoon, which causes that 
old man raccoon to be like, fuck this, and leave. And so he's saved from the raccoon by turning into the raccoon. Tobias is pissed that the Elemis has tricked him, but he quickly takes off in the slow lumbering raccoon body to try and help his friends. And he's frustrated by how slow it's going. And then he realizes that, duh, he can demorph and his wing will be healed. (laughs) So he does that, heads on his way to find the others. As he's flying, he notes, I'd only been without my wings for a few minutes, but it still weirded me out. I mean, I know the others are used to being in different bodies, but I'm not. So we're seeing that he's going to have to get used to morphing again i mean he didn't really do it that much he only morphed bird and um cat yeah so he's actually gotta get used to morphing in the first place so he finds the yurks before he finds his friends there's taxons out front with hork following behind and the humans bringing up the rear he sees helicopters getting into position and he knows what's about to happen the choppers fire draken beams down into the trees to start a fire in order to herd the hork where they want them to go. Meanwhile, they're also shooting anything that moves. Sadly, we get another scene of them shooting innocent animals. And finally, he finds the others hunkering down in the forest. Um, the Animorphs are in their battle morphs and they're kind of singed, but they're okay. They try and come up with an escape plan, but Marco notes that they won't stop until the hork are dead. This gives Tobias an idea that will require someone to morph Ket as Rachel already has the Jara morph. Jake volunteers, but Tobias insists that he do it. The others are like, And then there's a moment of confused (laughs) silence. (laughs) And Rachel's like, you will? You will. (laughs) And it clicks with her that the Elemist gave him his morphing power back. And Tobias explained that he gave him the power, but not his body. And Axe is like, Elemis, never trust them. (laughs) Like, yeah, the same could be said about Andalite's Axe. (laughs) They already threatened to disown you if you... uh, didn't take credit for giving the humans well the that particular general who let the hork get taken by the yurks threatened to disown him essentially who i still think has a yurk inside his head it makes total sense <laughs> cut to next chapter when tobias has told them all the plan but not the reader so it's like okay everybody's getting into position jake has tobias's old role of keeping track of everything from the air which makes sense since peregrine falcon is the fastest that they have yeah. out of the bird morphs mm-hmm. to Tobias acquires Ket and morphs as the others also morph to assume their own roles. Marco has an aside where Tobias keeps his same feet, um, which is funny because, you know, it's basically just bird feet. (laughs) Raptor feet. So Axe and Cassie morph wolves and they take off to get into their position. Marco demorphs and remorphs Gorilla so that he doesn't have the time limit to worry about. Jake morphs Peregrine Falcon and takes off. So this just leaves Tobias and Rachel alone where they have their little moment. Their little we're about to die moment, as is tradition. <laughs> Rachel's like, you okay? And he's like, sure, why wouldn't I be? And Rachel's like, well, you haven't exactly had a great day. And Tobias says, I'm a freak of nature, Rachel. Any day I stay alive is a good day for me. <laughs> Which I guess, I don't know if that's him using self-deprecating humor to make himself feel better or if he is actually feeling better. But um, yeah. So this next part, I wrote, I'm going to blow through this part because things happen fast. And I assume while typing this, it worked over time already. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's big action sequence at the end. So Tobias and Rachel, both now hork head to a couple of taxons so the Yurks will catch on to them and chase them. However, when Tobias sees the taxons, he's filled with this blind rage and wants to fight them and kill them. And Rachel, of all people, is like, no, we can't do that. We have to stick to the plan. <laughs> Um, and Rachel grabs Tobias's shoulder and he's so mad that he almost spins around and slashes at her. And she's like, I know you're mad at the Elemis, but you can't let that get to you because we have a job to do to save these hork It's not about us this time. And a bunch of hork controllers show up and they take off running and they have to slash through these trees while the hork following them just kind of follow the trail that they make. So they're catching up to them. Jake guides them to where they're supposed to go, but there's a line of hork that they're going to have to fight through. So on their left is fire. On their right is just a fuckload of taxons. Straight ahead is a ravine that's 100 feet deep. And they have to get to a particular spot on the ravine. So they have to fight through a group of a bunch of hork Whoop, whoop. Um, during that. Yeah. So we get action where he gets to actually like be in a fight. And not just come in, scoop eyeballs, and leave. Um, Tobias gets knocked down, and Jake comes in and scoops eyeballs and leaves. <laughs> Ooh, real reversal. Um, Tobias, uh, yeah, to, so that hork was, like, looming over him. Jake swoops down and, and 
gets his eyeballs and then Tobias is able to knock the Hork-Bajir down and get up and helps Rachel with her last Hork-Bajir. And Tobias is hurt at this point. He has like a bum leg, but he can still use his tail for balance. Um, So they're running towards the spot on the ravine and Rachel is like getting ahead of Tobias, which is good because that's what they need to happen. And (laughs) Jake says to Tobias, that, or no, sorry, Tobias says to Jake, Jake, that was one sweet save back there. Would it be wrong for me to say I love you, man? (laughs) No homo, but no. Yeah, right. Say you love your friends, kids. (laughs) And Jake's like, ha, that was fun. Oh, yeah, that was a rush. And it's like, yeah, (laughs) you're feeling the fun times that Tobias gets to feel all the time. Um, So they run and Jake guides them to the correct spot. Rachel jumps out into the air and disappears into the ravine. Tobias is kind of afraid for her, but he knows he's going to have to do the exact same thing in a second. Suddenly, out of smoke, an Andalite appears. But that's no Andalite. It's Visor 3! So he steps out onto the cliff of the ravine and everything kind of freezes. And then Tobias realizes and starts running like dead sprinting towards Visor 3 because Tobias knows that even if Visor 3 kills him, Visor 3 would still be knocked into this 100-foot ravine and certainly killed on impact. No chance to morph nothing. So at the last second, Visor 3 dodges out of the way as Ket, aka Tobias, jumps off the edge of the ravine. He screams like free or dead and falls into the ravine and is caught by a big meaty (laughs) gorilla hand. That was Marco's role. They wait in the cave um, and they can see there's like an overhang so they can see to the bottom of the ravine without revealing themselves to the people above. So there's two wolves at the bottom, which are Cassie and Jake, and they're starting to eat Ket and Jara who are lying at the bottom of the ravine. So they're actually like biting them, tearing their flesh off to keep the act up. And Tobias is like, fortunately, hork heal very quickly. So the hork are dead. And Visor 3 buys it and the Yerks go home. So then they head up to the um, Hidden Valley that the LMS has shown them. And it says, yeah, I know, we had all for information on this. Go see Are You Serious? Episode 82. I think 82. Yes. <laughs> oh, Indy wants oh. to know the Hork Okay. Yeah, they're fine. He, he says the podcast needs to wrap yeah, up now. Yeah, they're just... <laughs> well i've got like three more sentences so the entrance to the valley uh quote the entrance to the valley was so narrow the hork could barely fit between the rock walls it was like some amazing bandit hideout from an old western movie ket notes it's a good place for kawat naj which means little hork and marco says (laughs) marco says well let's just take our clothes off you know the rules in the garden of eden you don't wear clothes rachel you start you perv (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on that note marco's like how can you even tell a male hork from a female hork and they explain that males have three horns while females have two and marco's like that's the only difference and ket says other difference too but only for hork to know and tobias notes that got a laugh even from axe which just puzzled the hork <laughs> even more and the animorphs all head home and tobias explains they can never leave the hork valley they have to stay there forever and Till the Yerks are gone. Apparently have baby hork and that's all fine. So there's just going to be like hork living on Earth if the, if the humans win, just in his valley. So they've got yep. some new alien friends one day. Yeah. Well, you already yeah. got the androids um, and uh, their, their heritage yeah, the dog, androids, uh, f- dogs that they protect. I feel, but I feel like the androids could definitely say a a lot like if they if they i don't know like it'd be harder to discover the for humans to discover the androids but they come across the hork bajir and that's like a whole different situation somebody would just think that they're discovered jurassic yeah. park or something <laughs> then it talks. They do mention <laughs> earlier that like hu- no humans would accept the hork bajir just living on earth at least especially not right now um I forgot there's two more sections after this. Holy crap. Okay. <laughs> I gave I gave the dog a bone. Hopefully we bought ourselves time for the last two chapters. <laughs> okay. Yes. And Cora's still gone. Okay. Um, the next day's Sunday. Rachel tries to come see Tobias at his meadow, but he flies away from her because he doesn't want her pity. Um, Tobias says, I was dealing with things, but I was barely dealing. And I felt like if someone was nice to me, I'd totally fall apart. And I'm like, 
Hashtag relatable. That's how I feel when I'm watching a movie. It's like the sad part. I'm not sad. But as soon as someone's nice to someone, I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) That's my crying trigger in movies. (laughs) Um, So then that night, Axe comes to see him and he says he doesn't really want to talk about it. So Axe just leaves. Tobias kind of just wallows in his self-pity for a while. He imagines himself in a home with parents and nice things, but he knows in reality he never had that life. His parents were gone when he was too young to remember them. Suddenly, he opens his eyes and he finds himself in his old house. He sees himself in his bed and flutters over to the nightstand, which wakes his sleeping human self. He assures himself, Mm -hmm. this is going to get confusing, he assures himself that it's just a dream, and then he notices the calendar. This night is the night before the construction site when Elfangor will give them the morphing power. So after a moment of deliberation, he tells himself to walk with Jake through the construction site, and says, walk home with Jake, um, ensuring that he would get trapped in morph. So there's like been a thread throughout the book of is he would he choose it again and he does. So he says to himself, you should go back to sleep. I am asleep, aren't I? This has to be a dream. And if it isn't a dream, I'll never get back to sleep. And so Bird Tobias says, I can help you sleep. Hold out your arm. Don't be afraid. And human Tobias holds his arm out. He flaps over and lands on him and acquires himself. And when he opens his eyes again, he's back in his tree. So now he has his human morph of himself which is like the fifth time they've time traveled or something and it's like a quarter of the way through the series yeah a lot of time travel wait a minute there's the jake one yeah like the the there's this one what's the other one um in book seven oh with uh yeah to to rachel with the future Uh Yeah. yeah um that was an exaggeration but yeah still a lot um Then he hears a voice say, don't forget, two hours, Tobias. I didn't ask what the Elemist meant. I knew. I had acquired my own human DNA, but it was just a morph. If I stayed in my old human body, I would be trapped there forever, never to morph again. Never again to be a hawk. Never again to fly. Have I kept my promise? The Elemist asks. Yes, I said. Then the Elemist asks, are you happy, Tobias? Cut to next chapter, because that question never gets answered. (laughs) Tobias could never be happy. Oh, I mean, it is like, I mean, it is like a twist of an ending. But I mean, at least as long as he as long as he survives this battle, he can return back to his human morph. The only problem is if it takes a long time, he'll have to eventually morph back to like a child. Right? Yeah. Like once they win the war, he could trap himself in his human morph and then age normally. Yeah. So, I mean. Um, so... Yeah. yeah. There's a way out, but until then, but then he's supposed to be a freaking hawk all, most of the time. Yeah. Otherwise, like, he could do it and take himself out of the fight is his yeah. choice now. Yeah. Although, although I'm calling it, he's going to be using his human morph out in public and he's going to get caught by, like, Yeah, I was going to say he's going to go haunt his uncle or aunt, whoever didn't go look for him as a, uh, you know, uh, a missing child. I think... I think it's going to be random, I th- and then it's going to cause, like, some trouble or something. going to go to the grocery store and been? see his face on the milk curtain. Okay, I'm putting that on the predictions. Tobias will run into someone from when he was human. I think a teacher would recognize him more uh, readily, you know, than just random other people besides yeah. his relatives. Mm-hmm. So, and that's going to... We'll see. There we go. Got it. <laughs> it's on the list. All right, so... Next day is Monday, the day Rachel's award ceremony is. Tobias says he missed the beginning of the ceremony in order to not push up against the two-hour time limit. He sneaks into the auditorium, which makes him uncomfortable, especially with the ceiling he's not used to. Cassie and Marco are there, too, to support, quote-unquote, Rachel. Marco, not so much, but Cassie, yes. (laughs) And the narration says... Um, Rachel's leaving and she walks past Cassie and Marco. And then she was right there in front of me. I saw her eyes sweep over me, indifferent, then look past me to the door. She stopped walking. She turned to me. Her eyes were wide. Hi, Rachel, I said with a human voice. And that's the story of how I cried on a plane again. (laughs) Aww. Oh, I like this ending. I thought it was a good book. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, like, it's, it's got a tight, um plot it's got, got a themes, lot of action motifs yeah. no i think it's a good one it's got moral and ethical a- ambiguity yep 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 they definitely brush against that again 
It's got a great setup for the next book we're going to read, which is Hork-Bajir Chronicles, which takes place in the past and barely even has the Animorphs in it. So that'll be okay, fun. Okay, so that one you said is also a big turning point one too, Morgan? Mm-hmm. Alien. Well, not a turning point necessarily, but it's got a lot of background information that's going to an- gonna make it so I don't Answer have to put off your so questions so much anymore. <laughs> I pester you so much. You put up with me. <laughs> I just don't want spoilers because I know that some people listening don't want like I try and just give informational spoilers like your reproductive systems and you know morphing other aliens that are mentioned but never apparently referred back to again (laughs) yeah yeah exactly oh my goodness yeah I'm really excited um Horkajir Chronicles I think is my favorite Chronicles book um i don't uh, visor's really good too visor's really good um they're all all the all the chronicles books are good all the offshoots um they're they're fun so we're gonna read that next and then i think we're gonna read the dinosaur book which is megamorphs 2 after like 18 or something like that dinosaurs dinosaurs we'll figure it out i'm here (laughs) somebody needs to get a dinosaur more yeah seriously though oh my gosh Abby. Oh baby. There's just so <laughs> many. <laughs> so many cool options. <sighs> yeah, okay, so it's after eighteen. It's in between eighteen and nineteen. So that'll be Do perfect. they like recreate the land before time or something like that? Like they all play act as the <laughs> Littlefoot and Ducky. <laughs> You'll see. I mean it, Rachel Which would which be of Sarah, the Animorphs? The tri the, the triceps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very much. Mm-hmm. For sure. I think Cassie would be Littlefoot. Cassie also could be Ducky. Who would be Spike? Who would be Spike? Axe. Never mind. Axe. <laughs> <laughs> um, which of the Animorphs do you think was way into dinosaurs when they were a Marco? kid? Marco. Marco. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. We'll find out. In, a, in several books from now. Um, yeah, so I'm excited for Hork-Bajir Chronicles. So I didn't look up triggers for that because I forgot we were doing it and I looked up triggers for, um, or content warnings for book 14. You can't tell us. But there's kind of an uncomfortable moment with a yerk in a Hork-Bajir body and an Andalite female that's, can make people uncomfortable, but it's not anything too intense. Okay. Uh, <laughs> just like, yeah. Okay. We'll this, see what that this particular Yurk is trying to get an Andalite host body. And so And he's gonna hit on them. Not hit on them, but it's just like an overpowering moment. So that can okay. be kind of uncomfortable. Yeah, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. That always makes me uncomfortable when I haven't like watched the thing before because I'm like, how uncomfortable is this scene going to get? And it's not it's not too bad. Like, it's for kids. Okay. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thank you, Morgan. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I think that's... I mean, there's a lot of death. I mean, we are talking about full-on bladed monster aliens, so I was expecting plenty of gore, even if you hadn't, you know, <laughs> reviewed it. Yeah. Just assume. Yeah. Just assume. There's nothing like... It's nothing more intense than book 10 when Marco gets his stomach sliced open, Fine. so... <laughs> F- not not as explicit. I forgot about that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like gorilla holding guts. Yeah. So we'll have some fun Hork-Bajir facts for you. I might need your help on that one, Morgan. <laughs> yeah, that and it's going to be a three-parter. Yeah. And it's going to be a three-parter because it's very long. So I'm going to do that. Looking forward okay. to it. Yeah. So um, if you want to message me with your unsolicited opinions about the reading order that we're doing you can at me at morgan underscore slay on twitter you can send us your animorphs memes directly to at middlemorph on twitter jason where can people find you people can also find me in the twitter sphere at bottomus underscore prime Woo. yeah that's about it (laughs) (laughs) i mean you usually do a bit i know i'm sorry i'm sorry Uh, i don't know um, i mean we we've hit we've hit Gross things. Send me, send me anything, please. Pay me attention, somebody. Um, More raccoon uh, videos. Or your guys's favorite places to go on vacation, or your your funnest or worst 
wedding stories <laughs> or um, if you're too old to drink wine anymore because it gives you a headache, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> that's that that's my life. Yo, that's me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang up and add you right now. <laughs> Oh God, it sucks. Yeah. Yep. It does. There's my bit. Please tweet at me how being an adult is rough. Okay. Okay. Kate, where can people find I am you? I'm not on social media. So Real if you want to hit me up with a message, maybe, you know, sew a quilt with an awesome message uh, within the design and I will see it. Or if you don't have, you know, your sewing machine out, you can always email us at metamorph at gmail.com. And also, please, if you have the time uh, or you have a fellow Animorph fan in your life, uh, uh, please recommend the podcast uh, to anybody that you know that also loves the Animorph series or leave us a review on a platform that you listen to. We really appreciate it and it would help more people to find the podcast. So thank you. Yeah, one thing on that. We just had the new year, you know, doing the Spotify um, wrapped. No, was that YouTube? Frick. Spotify wrapped where they, you know, I saw what my top podcasts were. I want us to be in one of your guys' top podcasts for the year when we get the Spotify raft for 2022. Let's make that a goal. Bam. Yes, indeed. And also on that note, I think we've noticed this episode or this book that there's a lot of overlap with Game of Thrones fans because it's got a lot of political intrigue and violence, just like Game of Thrones. (laughs) And animals. Animals. Magic animals. Just like in Game of Thrones. (laughs) All right. We will see you guys next time for the Hork-Bajir Chronicles. I'm so excited for... I would read this one, you guys. Read it. Read it. It's read fun. It. All right. Do it. Read it. <laughs> read it. Okay. I'm excited. Right, bye. bye, everybody. Bye.